0: So far this season, we've met Carly, the girl with the really obvious Autobot fetish, and Trax, the Autobot with the really obvious Raoul fetish. And now we have this, the girl who loved Power Glide. I don't know why I'm surprised to see David Wise's name on this one. As much as I go on about the guy, he's responsible for just as much ridiculousness as anyone else writing this damn series. So we open at the birthday party of this chick who's apparently filthy rich and orders her employees to praise her while wearing funny hats. Yeah, we've all been there. Oh, her name's Astoria, which is probably important to the plot. Or not. Who knows. While she's moping about how nobody likes her, the party's disrupted by Decepticon lasers. Man, I'd give anything to have a birthday party with murderous evil robots. Seriously, anything. But she's all, Oh no, this is terrible, won't somebody please save me? And look at that, somebody will. It's the most annoying Autobot who isn't Warpath. Power Glide! Astoria makes her way aboard, and seeing no pilot decides to mash a bunch of buttons randomly. Which is what any sensible person would do. Powerglide manages to fly them to safety, despite her attempts to help. I think we ditched him. Wow, that was intense. <laughs> who are you? Powerglide's the name. Well, whoever you are, I think you're completely the greatest. What do you mean, whoever you are? He just told you who he was. Whoa, you see that? You see how she just leapt into the air and he smacks her right down with his metal fist? That alone is worth the price of admission. Then we get to the exposition part. Astoria Carlton Ritz, get it, is in charge of some important technology company since her father, whose brains she clearly did not inherit, died, which is I guess why the Decepticons are after her. Or maybe they just want that hat. I think Megatron would look quite fetching in a hat like that. While PowerGlide compares notes with his dim-witted superior, Astoria has a chat with Spike. So, you had a run-in with the Creeps, huh? Yeah. Too bad I wasn't there. I'm always ready to rescue a girl as pretty as you. Mm. What do you know about Powerglide? Oh, he's okay. Kind of a blowhard, if you know what I mean. I think he's wonderful. You do. Oh, wow. He's tall, he's handsome, he's shiny, (laughs) and he can fly. Yeah, well, there's a few things he can't do, you know. What are you doing? Terrific. You know, sometimes this show is actually good. I like to be reminded of that every now and then. But then she's paired back up with Powerglide, so I guess we better not get too used to that. So they go ride a merry-go-round for some reason, then we find out that she gets really mad when people touch her necklace, which can't possibly be a plot point. Then the Decepticons show up again and Powerglide defeats them for a second time. Yes, this entire episode is centered around the premise that little Powerglide is an even match for three Decepticon jets. Ugh. Some more chasing happens, then they manage to crash land someplace relatively safe. Astoria tears off part of her dress to use as a tourniquet for a robot. Or maybe she just wants an excuse to tear off her dress. I've said it before, I'm not here to judge. They almost have a tender moment, but then the Decepticons find them again. Well, good. Because we certainly don't want to see a robot and a hot chick having sex. That would be... wrong. Inappropriate. An abomination. Good thing they got interrupted. During the fight, Durge fires a couple of missiles out of his boobies and traps Powerglide under some rocks. Then they steal the girl and fly away. Powerglide manages to dig himself out and attempts to pursue, but he can't get it up. He can't get up in the air, so he just rests and waits for Ratchet and Wheeljack to come help. Man, where is my mind today? Powerglide gets patched up, more or less, and then charges off to save the girl, which according to everything I've ever read about screenwriting must mean we're about to enter Act 3. And oh look, there's the commercial break. Hey, it might be formulaic, but formulas at least make sense. We're definitely doing better than we were during those meandering Season 1 plots. So here's on Merguffin this week. The Constructicons have built a suborbital platform that will convert the Earth's electromagnetic field into energon. And you know? This is just scientific sounding enough to sound semi-plausible to me, the idiot viewer. Oh, and apparently some knowledge of story is as vital to this plan, which is where they lose me. Since she won't talk, Megatron puts her under something called a psychoprobe. This feels like a step backwards to me. Why not just hypnotize her using rock music? Have we forgotten that we have this technology already? Well, empty. Man, that was a cheap joke the last time they did it, and it's still funny. Actually, the machine just keeps breaking because Astoria and machines just don't get along. Which makes no actual logical sense, but it's a thing that's been established, and watching Megatron pull out the Harry doesn't have is hilarious. It also buys time for Power Glide to show up. But to her credit, Astoria manages to get herself free and saves the struggling Powerglide by chucking her irreplaceable necklace into the doomsday machine. And okay, we all saw that coming, but again, this is like elementary screenwriting 101 here. And I mean that as a compliment. You set up a thing in act one, then you pay it off in act three. I never thought I'd hold up the girl who loved Powerglide as an example of good writing, but in a structural sense, it really is. So they destroy the bad machine. got away with our hulls in one piece. And as for the girl in the falling sky platform, well that's PowerGlide's problem. Correction, problem is ours. <laughs> Energize the force fields. What force fields? Damn it ridiculous episode. Stop being good. Stop it. So we end the episode with the implication that PowerGlide and Astoria are now dating. And his friends laugh at him. And this ridiculous thing happens. And now it's time to check in with my YouTube comments. Kraken Dude 2 featured last week, writes, Hey, I just wanted to say sorry for being a douche. I had no right to call you names just because you hate animal transformers. Everyone has opinions. I can say I prefer Beast Wars and animated. It's the second best next to Beast Wars. And you can say you like G1 without being judged. So I am sorry. Are we cool? I should mention that when I received this, last week's scathing response hadn't been posted yet. Kraken Dude offered this apology completely on his own, not in reaction to anything I said or did. Yeah, we're cool. You know, over 50 reviews posted, thousands of views in just over a year, and my one typical YouTube comment gets retracted. Am I doing something wrong here or what? You got any burgers in this joint? Silence. You guys are like the worst hosts.